That's how it ends. No, 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 no. We don't even know if he kills her. We don't even know if he... If he, if he, if he. Welcome to the Normal and Good Podcast. I'm Amber, and we just watched episode 12 of season one of Hannibal. And I'm Lindsay, and it broke me. We're doing a new format this week because I didn't want to watch them both and then try to talk about episode 12 after we've already learned all the stuff that we learned in episode 13. So, we did episode 12 first. So how we're going to do it is we're going to read the episode details... We're going to read the summary, and then we're going to talk about episode 12. Fashion week, we can do at the end for both episodes. Okay. Okay? I do apologize. It's okay. But I do want to cover some corrections from last week. That's fine. Um, as you can see, the more we do this, the better we get, because our first episode was two hours long, and episode four was only 120. But I'm going to make no promises about this episode, because... That was a ride, and we're only halfway done. So, we'll see how it goes. I, if you can't tell, have the biggest smile on my face right now. I look like that gif of Dean Winchester after the demons take Sam to be the Lucifer host. The one that gets the caption of internal screaming where he's holding his head? Uh Mm Uh-huh. It me. That's Lindsay. Okay, corrections from last week. Um, first about rainbow trout. Apparently what I thought were rainbow trout were actually brook trout or possibly bull trout. Both have pink spots. So that's my bad. I was eight the last time I went fishing. Which that means Will's a very good fisherman. Because I have told my husband, well, why don't you hunt brook trout with your... Hunt brook trout. With your dad when my family, when my in-laws move up here. That'd be fun for you. You could just go fishing in the Provo River. Because brook trout are bastards, sweetie, is, was his exact reply. We went camping and fishing up in the high Uintas. And mostly what I remember is there was a rock that looked like Pride Rock. And so my mom took a picture of me kneeling on it like a lion. I love that. Anyway, um, in similar factual fish news, rainbow trout are not native to the Virginia area. So I don't actually know how likely it would have been for Will to catch some. However, they're a western fish, mostly. But they are also found in the Minnesota area, thanks to lakesuperiorstreams.org, which raises the question, did Will actually catch rainbow trout, or was it a hallucination because they're Minnesota fish and Abigail Hobbs is from Minnesota? The mind wants to reel. Uh, Next, also, it's called a hyperbaric chamber. I knew there was a word for it, and I couldn't remember what it was, so I kept calling it Georgia's oxygen tank. It's a hyperbaric chamber. Duh. Also, I found in the script where the Hannibal and Bedelia having therapy scene was from, it was from the beginning of episode 12. So they filmed it with episode 12 and then tacked it on to the end of episode 11. Probably because, as you will see, episode 12 is freaking huge for only being 45 minutes of actual television. There's a lot. Okie dokie. Here we go. Episode 12. Um, I'll have you read the, the details for this one. Whew, okay. Episode 12 is releves, which means spiced or highly seasoned, 
Also to Rise Up. Yes, I was going to say we did releves in my ballet class. Mm -hmm. It was written by Chris Brancato and Brian Fuller and directed by Michael Reimer. Aired June 13th, 2013 and was viewed by 2.1 million viewers in the U.S. Yeah, I have noticed that it's all the same writers and directors. They all just kind of trade off. Yeah. Which I think is really cool and it makes for a really tight and cohesive show. Obviously. Okay. Usually in my notes, I have the heading quick summary. This week I have the heading summary, not quick. Accurate. So, and there are some typos, so we'll see how this goes. It is at least twice as long as any other single summary for a single episode. So wish me luck. Episode 12. At the hospital, Will visits Georgia in her hyperbaric chamber. She says she dreamed that it was him who killed Sutcliffe. Hannibal comes to bring Will chicken soup, and they talk about Georgia and about how Will's fever may be a sign of something worse that they don't know what it is. Georgia Madchen wakes up from a nap to find a plastic comb in her chamber. She combs her hair. It creates a spark of static electricity that sets all the oxygen on fire. Credits. Jack, Will, Price, and Zeller investigate the hyperbaric chamber, but they can't find anything wrong with it. Price says a kid in Italy died once in a hyperbaric chamber because his pajamas created a spark and Georgia wasn't wearing her grounding bracelet. Jack thinks it was suicide. Freddie visits Abigail in the psych hospital to talk about the book they're going to write. Abigail considers her dad responsible for the copycat's victims. Freddie asks who killed Nick Boyle and says she's interviewed enough killers to know one when she sees one. Will dreams that Georgia, sick again, is in his house. He follows her outside, where she says, See? And is then impaled on the antlers of the raven stag, where she burns away. He checks himself out of the hospital and goes to see Jack. He says that Georgia's death wasn't an accident and that she murdered... Wait. He says that Georgia's death wasn't an accident and that she was murdered by whoever killed Dr. Sutcliffe. Jack doesn't believe him. At the lab, Price and Zeller have found the remains of the plastic comb. Will pulls Dr. Sutcliffe's body out of the drawer to show how his death was different than Beth LeBeau's. Similar, but not the same. Like how the copycat was mimicking Gary Jacob Hobbs. Ding, ding, ding! Will says that Georgia, Sutcliffe, Marissa Short, and Cassie Boyle were all killed by the same person, the copycat. Jack goes to visit Hannibal and to talk about Will... Talk... Jack goes to visit Hannibal and talk about how Will is drawing connections between all these cases that previously had nothing in common. Hannibal says Will is protective of Abigail. Jack says they both know something is wrong with Ill. Oh my gosh. <laughs> something is wrong with Ill. Hmm. Gee. I, hmm. Jack says they both know something is wrong with Will, but it might also just be Will being Will. Jack goes to visit Bedelia. He asks her about Hannibal's relationship with Will and asks if Hannibal has told her anything, but she won't tell him. They talk about how Bedelia was attacked by a patient who was referred to her by Hannibal and then how Hannibal was also attacked by a patient. Jack asks how far Hannibal would go to treat a friend like Will. Bedelia says Hannibal is concerned about Will and wants to help him. Sometimes Jack's looks a bit like a frog, not in a bad way. Jack talks to Price and Zeller about whether or not the copycat is the same person as who killed Sutcliffe and or Georgia and sets them the task of retracing all of Garrett Jacob Hobbs' moves during the time he was killing girls in Minnesota. I'm like, so excited that I'm shaking. Okay. 
Will visits Abigail at the psych hospital, and she says she didn't feel ugly when she killed Nick Boyle. Will says he felt powerful when he killed Gary Jacob Hobbs. Abigail wishes that she had killed her dad and almost slips up and admits she was part of it. Will asks her to help him catch the copycat and put her dad's ghost to rest. Bedelia tells Hannibal that Jack came to visit her to ask about Will and Hannibal's relationship. She asks if he is protecting Will. Hannibal says he's trying to help Will understand who he is. Mm, I lost my place. Bedelia says she did not tell Jack about what happened during her attack and she did not tell him who was responsible. She tells Hannibal to maintain boundaries and he says no question mark. At Hannibal's office, Will says he's feeling much better and thinking clearly. He tells Hannibal his hypothesis that the copycat was planning to frame him, Will, for Sutcliffe's murder. The copycat is back and this time it's personal. He knows it's someone close to the investigations and he's going to figure out who it is by taking Abigail back to Minnesota. Zeller and Price show Jack that there was two train tickets, two hotel rooms, two dinners at every place that Abigail attended. Wait. <laughs> Zeller and Price show Jack that there was two train tickets, two hotel rooms, two dinners at every place, and that Abigail attended university orientations at every school where a Shrike victim was abducted. She was the bait. Zeller, Price, and Jack now think Abigail is the copycat and also killed Georgia and Dr. Sutcliffe. At the hospital, the psych hospital, not the regular hospital, Jack comes to find Abigail, but Freddie tells him that she just left with Will. Jack goes to yell at Hannibal about Will and Abigail. Hannibal finally tells Jack that Will has lost time and disassociated. Jack tells Hannibal that Will has taken Abigail. Hannibal plays a recording of Will's early session where he says he feels like he killed Marissa Shore, then says that Will wasn't in his hotel room that night. Will was also in Sutcliffe's office and was the last person to see Georgia. On the way to Minnesota, Will offers to take Abigail hiking, but she says no. In Garrett Jacob Hobbs' murder cabin, Will asks if Abigail was the hunter or the bait and confronts her about her part in her father's crimes. She asks if Hannibal told him and he freaks out. He impales her on the antlers. Oh, wait, that was a hallucination. Then she accuses him of being the copycat. He wakes up on the plane back in Virginia alone. Abigail goes to her family's house in Minnesota. Hannibal is there. She knows she can't run from Jack and the FBI. She asks again why he called her dad that day. He tells her he killed Marissa and that he wanted her to kill Nick Boyle so he could see what she would do. She asks how many people he's killed. He says, many more than your father. Then he says, I'm sorry I couldn't protect you in this life. And that is the end of episode 12. And that was the point where I started making the Dean Winchester face. Because we don't see whether or not he actually kills her. It's heavily implied, but we don't see. And I can't trust anymore. I know you're doing this for a reason, but like... I'm, like, itching. I'm like, no, I need to know what happens next. We have to keep playing it. But do you, do you see why I wanted to talk about this I, first? I can see. Is your computer plugged in all the way? Yeah. Okay. It just looked like it was falling out. I just wanted to no, make sure. No, it just looks a little busted because sometimes JoJo knocks it over because she's, like, very nearly three and doesn't know that stuff breaks sometimes. Gotcha. Um, Okay. So we're going to rewind it back to the beginning of the episode when Hannibal brings Will chicken soup. Mm-hmm. Uh, made with a silky chicken because, of course, Hannibal makes the most extra chicken soup that anybody has ever made. Oh, yeah. There's a recipe for it in the book. I'm curious to make it now. I don't know if you can get it here. But I'm looking at the fact that, like, 
he left the chicken skin on. And chicken skin, normally, most chicken skin, unless you, like, dry it out and bake it and then, like, do not let moisture touch it again, Mm -hmm. it's not fun to eat. I wonder, I did, um, a weird amount of digging about this recipe. In the food stylist, who I can't remember her name, I want to say Jennifer? Janice Poon. Janice Poon, thank you. Um, on her blog, which she was writing at the time, oh, she includes a recipe for the soup and also has, like, ways you can make it if you don't have access to a silky chicken. And, um... And then I read on another blog, lots of people have tried to recreate this soup, um, that silky chicken is really tough and gamey, so you have to slow cook it to tenderize it, which makes me wonder if he left the skin on because of the fat content might make the meat a little oh more melty and less tough. See, that makes sense. The one time I've seen silky chicken other than this episode was an episode of Chopped where they had, like, homemaker moms come on and do Chopped. Mm-hmm. And this was in the main course basket. And, like, one homeschool mom thought, you know what, let's make Coco Van out of this. Nice. I've never seen this before, but it looks like it could do with a slow cook. <laughs> yeah, she's not wrong. But, I mean, I've been interested to try it. They just... Maybe this is, like, really narrow-minded of me, but, like, they look kind of, which is apropos for this show, they look creepy and kind of unappetizing. Yeah, the silky chicken is a black feathered, black skinned, black boned chicken, and its meat is dark in color as well. It's kind of gross. They're really cute when they're alive, but it's just kind of gross the rest of the time. I've heard that it's delicious to eat, but... It doesn't, it's not an appetizing looking animal. I don't think any animal looks especially appetizing, but silky chicken, a dead silky chicken placed before you ready to cook is an especially unappetizing sight. Um, wait, did I even mention the scene where they're eating the chicken soup and they're sitting by the window in Will's hospital room is a direct mirror of them sitting by the window in Will's hotel room in episode one. When he brings him scrambled eggs. It is like that. Which I love because I don't actually remember if this episode... Well, let me just check my notes. It aired one week and episode 13 aired the next week. But this still feels like it's part of the finale. So I do enjoy these little callbacks to the to the opening of the season. Oh, yeah. Also... Will, when they're investigating the crime scene, and then when he checks himself out of the hospital and goes to talk to Jack, he looks so steady. He looks so much better. He looks like early Will, He right? He looks like himself again. Honestly, he looks better than early Will. And he's making so much deliberate eye contact with Jack. Mm-hmm. Because he... I don't know, because... It's easier to do things that would normally, like, Will's on the spectrum, so eye contact and physical contact are things that stress him. It's easier to do things that stress you when you're in a better place mentally and physically. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes for Will, that place is, he's like a pointer dog. 
he needs to be on the scent and hunting somebody. Not not in like a cannibal way, but in like a I'm going to catch the bad guy way. Like a work drive. Yeah, work dogs need something to work on. Yeah. And I think Will is very much the same. He can't let this rest even though he's supposed to be in the hospital recovering from this really bad fever and apparently they still don't know what else is wrong with him. Like, have they not done an MRI? I guess not. Which, like, that's dumb. You're dumb, people at Will's Hospital. You're dumb. Um, what else do you have about... Um, hosp- do you have anything else about Will and Jack and the hospital stuff before we move hospital to Freddy? Stuff? One thing that I noticed... Okay, I love the scene between Will and Georgia. Like, you look pretty. I must, know. Must be all the oxygen. I'm just it's like... It's so cute. It's so good and wholesome. And I would totally steal the ever-loving crap out of... You look pretty. Must be all the oxygen. That's adorable. Oh my gosh. They're adorable. And I liked that they are capturing the stress of getting a diagnosis. Especially when you have something as rare as Cotard's delusion like, like Georgia had. Yeah. But part of me was like, oh, Will does not need this. I know it's important, but Will does not need to hear this. Not at all. And also, so, the fact that Georgia's hyperbaric chamber, it's a glass chamber that she lies down in all the time. And what kills her is a comb. Now... Here's where my weird knowledge comes in. In the original version of Snow White, it's not... The the poison apple is not the first attempt on her life. The first attempt on her life, the uh, wicked stepmom queen disguises herself as a peddler and gives Snow White a poison comb. That when she combs it in her hair, she, like, gets the poison in her scalp. I don't know if it, like stabs her or what but it's a poison comb and i immediately thought of that see imdb had none of this we should write the trivia page because apparently we mo- we know more things than the rest of the internet i don't know if i don't know if this was done on purpose this may be just like me noticing stuff that was not intentional but like even if it wasn't intentional it's a really interesting parallel And, like, she thought she was a corpse the whole time, and now she's literally in a glass coffin, about to be killed by a comb like Snow White. That is really cool. Except this time we don't get to the poison apple. You can't really pick the poison comb out of Snow White's hair when the poison comb burns Snow White to death inside her glass coffin. Yeah. Georgia deserved better. I know. In so many ways, but, yeah, I may have called... Hannibal a piece of shit for giving her the the comb. That is one of the seven words that I am required to bleep. That's okay. <laughs> Which I didn't know until last week. And by last week, I mean yesterday. Um, okay, my next note is Freddie talking to Abigail. She says, I've interviewed enough killers to know one when I see one. It's a very specific brand of hostility. I see it every time I look at Will Graham. And she brings up Will Graham to throw Abigail off the scent because Freddie totally knows Abigail's a killer. Yeah. She totally the knows. The look on her face, I'm like, does she, do you know Freddie? Do you she, know? She totally does. 
Um, because she is a very smart girl. But also, this is such another good mirror to Hannibal and Will. Um, it is. Where she's saying, yeah, Will Graham is a killer. And Hannibal's being like, I don't know, man. Will Graham might be a killer, I guess. Um, and then it's also, yeah, Freddie knowing a lot of things and trying to set Abigail at ease because she does still want to write the book. Will's, um, his dream where he sees Georgia back in her cotard form, impaled. That makes Georgia sound like a Pokemon, but keep going. Gosh darn it! Now I can't unsee that! What am I here for if not to bring some <laughs> levity to this very dark show? Like, that is totally... I've said it this whole podcast, and I will say it again. Will's delusions, dreams, what have you, are totally either a reflection or a direct result of his subconscious and thin slicing trying to warn him of danger. It's doing the problem solving even when his conscious mind is not. Yeah. Because the raven stag impales Georgia and then she bursts into flames. And then Will wakes up and Bee's like, what does he be like? <laughs> when he goes to Jack and he's like, um, this wasn't an accident. She was murdered by the same person who killed these other people. Yeah. Like, I have never seen him more sure than when he was talking to Jack about this. Like, the line that I loved, her whole adult life, she was misunderstood. But I can make sure her death isn't misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, my baby boy, I am so proud of you. I'm so happy right now. Right? Like, Will is back. At least for most of this episode. Like, he is back and he is on the ground doing the work and solving things. And he figures out the parallels, the parallels between Georgia kills Beth by giving her a Glasgow smile. Then, whoever kills Dr. Sutcliffe, which we know it was Hannibal, um, does it by giving him a Glasgow smile so severe that he cuts through his jaw and almost takes his whole head off. So it's the thing elevated. Yeah. Just like... Cassie Boyle's death with the antlers was like all the other deaths before elevated. That's how Will knows it was the same person. Because try as he might, Hannibal cannot stop being a pretentious douchebag and having really fancy kills. He's he's extra. He's really, really fancy. <laughs> and Will is like, hey, this killer is really extra. And that's how he knows it's the same person. Mm -hmm. And then Jack doesn't believe him, except that he does believe it might have been Abigail. Because if she caught the bug for killing, then who knows? But I also think that's just Jack really wanting to, pil to pin things on Abigail. Because he's wanted to do that from the start. Yeah. It makes no sense for Abigail to have killed Dr. Sutcliffe. But Jack is like, yes, let's do it. Because he just really, really wants Abigail to be guilty. And then he goes to talk to Hannibal. Well, he talks to Bedelia first. Right. Wait. My notes are in the wrong order. Oh no! Okay. Let's talk about Bedelia and Jack. She says... Wait. Nope. I'm out of order. My notes are in order. Never mind. Oh my gosh. My brain is all over the place right now because this episode is insane. Honey, 
Are you okay? Like, how much caffeine have you had today? So much. Girl, I'm worried about you. No, I'm... This is not because of caffeine. This is because I am so excited about this show. Okay, you mentioned having a lot of caffeine earlier, so like... I did, but... Kinda, that's not what that's not what this is. I kind of want to make you a double dose of lavender tea before you go home. I mean, I won't say no to that. We can do that during the second part of the recording if you want. Okay, yeah. Um, my kettle is all heated and ready to go. Okay, so Jack goes to talk to Bedelia. Like a euphemism. It's not. I'm making it one now. <laughs> okay, my kettle is heated and ready to go. Don't do it with that face while I'm taking a sip. But I did my eyebrows so I can waggle them. Oh, that's fair. Anyway, Jack talks to Bedelia, which is the scene I have been waiting for. It didn't go necessarily the way I wanted it to go, but I will not say that it disappointed. Because it didn't. Um, I have no notes on this, so just take it away. Okay, first of all, can we talk about Bedelia's kitchen? It is beautiful. It is got, it's got that wonderful dark warmth that a lot of interiors around this time were starting to have, but it doesn't feel dark. Like she has got that under cabinet lighting. She's got the pretty backsplash. She's got her spices in little court test tubes on one side. Like it's a beautiful kitchen. It's, it's got like, it's a lot of dark tones like Hannibal's kitchen, but it's not cold. It's warm. Like everything else about Bedelia's, house it is warm and i love it so friggin much but that's not the main thing that i took away from this conversation i could tell that bedelia was hiding something from jack i wasn't sure what although i i, I had a niggling sensation when she said that if he hadn't swallowed his own tongue i wouldn't be alive i'm like how do you swallow your own tongue during like, a seizure? Or is that a myth? I don't know. So, maybe not a seizure. But the going story is this guy swallowed his tongue. Which... However that happens. That sounds incredibly difficult to do. Like, I can touch my tongue to the top of my nose. But I can't get it much further back than, like... I can sort of touch my uvula. But that's as far back as it goes. I don't think I could actually... Right? Like, what nah. has to go so wrong... Like, maybe Gene Simmons from KISS could do it. Mr. Simmons, if, if you you're listen, listening, hit us up. Can you swallow your own tongue? Also, can you touch your tongue with your nose? Or if anybody else knows this about Gene Simmons. Um, okay, so Bedelia was attacked. Her patient swallowed Whoa. his tongue, whatever that means. And that's why she was not killed by him. Then Jack goes to talk to Hannibal. Yes. And he's like, hi, Will made all of these leaps. That's weird, right? And Hannibal says, yeah, he might be having some mental illness, but we don't really know. And Jack says... Is it mental illness or does his mind just work so differently that we don't know what else to call it? Mm -hmm. That is what I was looking for when I was talking about how Bedelia and Hannibal keep using the word madness to refer to will. And how I was like, it's his willness. No, it's him losing his mind. Maybe it's both. 
like Jack just said. Like, is it this or is it just Will being Will and we don't have any other words for what it is that he's doing? I mean, you could say, like you mentioned that Will's mental work drive is so high that his brain is solving problems in his sleep. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't know what a border jack was and if you saw it going crazy over its energy, a border jack is what you get when you cross a, a border collie with a Jack Russell Terrier. You've got the terrier energy in the border collie work drive, and the puppies are adorable, but my husband said no. Because... I can I can see why. Because he's like, that dog will have one thing on its mind. Throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm starting to wonder, you know, if you didn't know what a border jack was, and you thought it was just any other dog... You might think there's something wrong with it. Maybe Will just has a border jack mental work drive. You know the scene in... Willy Wonka, the old one. Uh-huh. Where I'm pretty sure they're riding in the boat. And Willy Wonka goes, here it comes. Da-da-da-da. There it is. Um, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. So I have this line where Will Jack says, Will is connecting murders that previously had no connection. And Hannibal says, beyond his involvement in the investigation. And I just said, here it comes. We will get to the it that is coming. Oh, no. No, have... no, 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 it's no, in, no. It's still in this episode. They're not gonna... Okay. I was gonna say, if they try to... F... I really hope that if Hannibal tries to frame Will for all of his stuff that he has pulled, I really hope it doesn't succeed. I am going to, like, not necessarily rage quit. I wouldn't do that to you, but I will rage table flip. I will move the microphone. Also, can I just say, I'm glad you don't get on Twitter very much, because I went through all of this in, like, March, um, and was very, very vocal about it on my Twitter. So, I know the answers to the questions you have going into the season finale. Um, do you have anything else about Jack and Hannibal? Uh, At least this first conversation. I don't think it's this first conversation. I think I have... Something from... I think I have a couple things... From the next one. From the next one. Okay. Um, so then Hannibal goes to talk to Bedelia. And she's like, yeah, Jack came to see me. And he's like, oh, what did you tell him? And she says, half-truths. A violent patient swallowed his tongue while attacking me. I didn't tell him how or why or who was responsible. And all I just wrote was, whomst was responsible. I want to know what you think about that. Well, Jack said that Hannibal gave a statement. So I'm pretty sure if anyone knows how to make, if anyone we know who was at the scene knows how to make a human tongue swallow itself, it'd be the man who's probably served it to people. See, I kind of thought that it might have been Hannibal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who attacked her. Oh. Which is also interesting to think about. I don't think she'd still see him if he attacked her, though. Unless he has something on her or has threatened her in some way. She's too calm with him. I will remind you that you have said this. I don't like that. I don't like that. I like this show because it lets me be minorly threatening. (laughs) I don't like that, Amber. Um, during the scene where they're talking, Bedelia is sitting 
in Hannibal's usual chair, uh-huh. which is really interesting, mm-hmm. he's standing, framed in the golden light of the window. Mm-hmm. I just, I love the contrast there of him standing, haloed in sunlight. She's sitting in the patient's chair. And she's sitting sideways, too. I think she just always sits sideways. I think it's more flattering. She, she's very sideways this time. She's always a little yeah. bit like... The big thing that I noted during that scene has to do with Fashion Week. Yeah. So I won't bring it up. I know, I noticed a lot of Bedelia fashion things, too. and I'm... There's a lot of Bedelia fashion in this episode. I am biting my tongue. Um, and then Hannibal says, When the pressures of my personal and professional relationships with Will grow too great, I assure you I'll find a way to relieve them. Um, and that is so threatening. Um, um, like, not, to, not to be that person, but I've seen enough fan art to know where this could be going. Yeah, and I didn't want to be like, see, shippy, but I was a little bit like that on my insides. It, and you could make an argument for shippy. It's, it's either me and Will are finally going to f- or I'm going to kill him. You got to relieve the pressure. So then Will goes to talk to Hannibal and they're talking about the murder of Dr. Sutcliffe and how whoever did it framed Georgia, but was going to frame Will. And Will is talking about how he knows it was the copycat, the same copycat from the beginning, killed Georgia and Dr. Sutcliffe and now he has to find a way to prove it. And he's like, yeah, he was going to frame me, which is totally what I thought, which is what I said last week. Because for a minute, I thought it was Will who had killed Dr. Sutcliffe because he wakes up and Dr. Sutcliffe is dead. And you were like, no, he would be covered in blood. And I was like, yes, good point. But apparently (laughs) Hannibal also had the thought of framing Will. Ended up framing Georgia because she happened to walk in on him. Yeah. Which, granted, it would have been very easy to fake. Faking the blood spatter pattern on Will would be risky because he'd either have to sedate him, which would leave traces of some sort, Mm -hmm. or he'd have to just count on Will having dissociated in the MRI, which that is risky. So you know how we have pins and stuff? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That was me miming putting a pin in something. We have lots of pins in things. I assure you they will all come back down off the bulletin board and we will... We'll get there. We look like that that reaction image of the that gift guy. He's like, all the things! Yeah. From It's Always What's Sunny in Philadelphia. It's Always Sunny. I've never seen It's Always Sunny, but I know that actor is in It's Always Sunny. Yeah, I haven't either, but I know that's what that's from. Um, I should put the gif in the show notes for this episode, just because. Um, we should just do, like, a gifts from the show notes section on the page. That'd be fun. So, and then Will says, it could be someone in the bureau, someone in the police force, someone who knows the crimes and has access to the investigations. And Hannibal goes, someone like you? And then I went, someone like you? Yeah. I just put, ooh, he knows it's an inside man. Hannibal, you best be nervous. I'm like, who are the two inside guys? Will or Hannibal? It's not that hard, guys. Come, just figure it out already. Yeah, I also put, yas, baby boy, you fight that gaslighting. Also, my voice is a little gayer than usual today. Which is I've it? noticed I've noticed a couple times throughout the day. Um, yeah. Which is fun. 
And then Hannibal is like, are you sure? Like, you don't want to bring Abigail into your delusions. And Will is like, this is not a delusion. I'm not hallucinating. I haven't lost time. I am awake and this is real. And when he says this, he is standing, Hannibal is sitting. And it is framed in such a way that when we're looking at Hannibal, we're looking down at him through the camera. When we're looking at Will, we're looking up at him through the camera. We are! I remember seeing that, but I didn't... And Will, he's in a place of power over Hannibal for the first time in this moment. It was so beautiful. So, you know, what Hannibal's gotta do, cut him off at the pass, knock that right out. I'm so excited for this... this ugh. I'm sorry Hannibal stands, but I'm so excited for this man to get what he deserves. I just... Ugh. Can somebody punch him in the face? Maybe I've been married to Jesse for too long, but I just want Jack Crawford to punch him in the face really badly. Oh, man. I would pay so much to see that. Like, even as a Hannibal stan, I would love that. I think it'd be so funny. Then Will leaves. He gets Abigail, and he bounces. He touched her. He reached out, and he grabbed her hands. My sweet baby boy who doesn't touch anyone, he reached out, and he grabbed her hands. I'm so happy. And it was really nice to see them have an actual conversation where, for the most part, neither of them are lying to each other. And it's just them. Hannibal's not in the way. Freddy's not in the way. Alana's not in the way. It's just the two of them. And it's so beautiful. I missed Alana this episode, but, you know... I honestly didn't even notice she was missing because this episode is so jam-packed. It's so jam-packed. And part of my, the bitter part of me is like, oh no, we can't have Alana in this episode. That would bring too much sanity and common sense to the playground. Which is true. Everything is coming to a point now. All the craziness, all the little pieces of the spider's web are coming to the middle. And we're going to have to make some big decisions. And by we, I mean them. People are going to have to start making some big decisions about where their loyalties lie, about who gets to stay alive about who actually did what. So, Jack goes to the hospital to arrest Abigail because he still thinks that Abigail was the copycat. And Freddie is there, and she goes, Will just took her. And then Jack goes to see Hannibal. And Hannibal says something is wrong with Will. He's been disassociating, and that's why he seems weird. It's because he was waking up. And Jack is like, no, I've seen him confused and stuff. And Hannibal is like, no, he was literally not in his brain. And this is the first Jack hears about that. And this is where we come to the rest of the Willy Wonka quote. Here it comes. There it is. Like, honestly, most of my notes from that are just me being pissy at Hannibal. Like, ugh, Hannibal, don't hit Jack with your, why are you busting me in here? Busting in here? I've never done anything wrong. Ooh. Face. I did the little U W U thing. The little I, smiley mouth. I don't even understand why people use that to make fun of other people, but I've started doing it to make fun of people I don't like who are pretending to be innocent when they know they've done shit. It's because it's the little like kitty anime mouth, and then weeaboos use it. I had to find the word to be adorable, and then everybody else makes fun of them by using it. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Why are you busting in here? I've never done anything wrong. Ooh, face. Because that's what he makes. That's the face he makes when Jack just busts into his office. 
And then the rest of my friends were, Jack, don't you fall for this. Jack, no. Jack, no! Jack really wants to solve all of this that has been going down over the last little bit. Because he thought it was Abigail, and then he goes to get her. And who has taken her? Will. So that's weird. So then he goes, talks to Hannibal, and Hannibal's like, oh yeah, Will is a problem, TM. I never told you, but he thinks he killed Marissa Shore. So now Will is the copycat. That's where they have landed. Except he's not. And then Jack tears up when he's faced with this. He gets tears in his eyes. Well, because he thinks that if Will is doing this, if Will has gotten too close and absorbed Garrett Jacob Hobbs as a separate personality, that it's his fault. Which, to be fair, if that's what was going on, then it would be his fault. But it's not. It's Hannibal being a stupid, nasty, little... I don't want to swear. My daughter is asleep in the next room. I don't know how much she picks up. But... Oh my gosh, I would pay so much money to just watch Jack punch Hannibal in the face. I just remembered a thing. What? I can't tell you. Oh, come on! Um, but seeing Jack cry makes me cry. Because he is this strong, like, granite man. I just, it gets me when he cries. Yeah. Because I feel so bad Because whatever happens to make him cry obviously is a huge deal. Like, I don't even know if we saw him cry cry over Miriam Lass. Or Bella. Or Bella. I miss Bella. Where is... Oh, right. Bella's working. Bella is always working. Um, and then we all go to Minnesota. And everything was awful always afterwards. I noticed that there were ravens on the roof of the murder cabin. You know where else there were ravens? All over Cassie Boyle's dead body in that field. Ugh. Um. Are there a lot of ravens in Minnesota? I know there are ravens in Virginia because of Maggie Stiefvater. Um. I, I assume ravens those. and or crows and assorted corvids are in lots of places. I feel like we've been getting more here over the past few, few years. I think so too, or I wonder if it's just that I'm noticing them more now. See, I was always pretty pretty noticey about birds. There's a flock of turkey vultures lives in my neighborhood, but they've lived there since I was a kid. How did I miss them? I don't know. They're only around sometimes um, in like late summer, but they're big. They live in the two really tall pine trees down the street from oh, me. You should point them out to me the next time I'm there. I will endeavor them. to do so. When we walked out on Friday the 13th, they were circling. Oh, it was, it was great. Um, okay. Spoopy. So Will takes Abigail to the murder cabin and he asks her if she's a hunter or a fisher. And she says, same thing, isn't it? One you stalk, the other you lure. Which I don't think that's quite the same. Like, I get what she's saying, but also I, I disagree. I've, I'm married to a fisherman. I am family with people who hunt and people who do both. Well, if you look at it as the means to get a thing and kill it and eat it, they are the same. Hunting's more active, though. Yeah, but being bait isn't not active. You have to know what bait to use. You have to know where to find the fish. You have to know how to be really quiet so they don't see that you're coming. And this is a conversation that we will put on hold for a few weeks. 
Okay. Because this season is really hunting focused and season two is really fishing focused. Oh, okay. Cool. So, yeah. It's... And I didn't notice that they planted those seeds in this episode. And now I'm excited. Anyway. Will grabs Abigail and impales her on the antlers, except he doesn't actually do that. It's an intrusive thought because he's been sweating the whole time. Like, I've started to get nervous noticing that. But ever since the first scene where we saw them going up into the antler attic of the murder cabin, Mm -hmm. Will's been really sweaty. Kind of like back to how he's been the last couple episodes, which could be like a trauma triggery kind of thing. Yeah, I wonder if coming back here triggered him. And like, honestly, I was relieved, but not necessarily super surprised. Like, I was freaked out when I thought that he'd done, for that, that split second, where you think that he's really impaled Abigail on the antlers. Yeah. But then, of course it was an intrusive thought, because he's sweating, he's back in the triggery murder cabin... Of course he's having that intrusive thought. And it's it's awful. And I just... Poor Will. Poor and Will. And Abigail sees whatever change has just come over him. And she's like, Okay, it wasn't me, but you're clearly crazy. And maybe it was you. And then Will wakes up in Virginia. On an airplane. He, he flew back to Virginia by himself. In a dissociative state. Yep. So our boy is still definitely broken, and Abigail goes back to her house, and whomst should she find in her kitchen? How did he get in, now that I think about it? Because well, she had to do the spare key on the top of the... He probably just wa- walked over and found it, because, I mean, on top of the door frame is not really an original hiding place for a spare key. And at first she's relieved, and like... Yeah, she's relieved to see him, because... Up until this point, he has protected her. And then... He straight up tells her that he called her dad because he wanted to see what would happen. There's such a coldness to it. There's such a matter-of-fact coldness to it. And you can see the change in Abigail's face. Like, the actress who... I, I can't think of the actress's name who plays Abigail, but good job. Oh my gracious. This scene was so well acted. It's like every reveal of the villain you trusted the whole time in a in a horror movie or suspense thing that I have ever seen. And I knew who the villain was this whole time and the atmosphere was still there. It's still super intense even though you know that he's the killer all along. But now Abby knows and you can feel her panic. Mhm. Abby, you deserve better than this. I He tells her he killed Marissa Shore because he wanted to see what would happen and that he wanted her to kill Nicholas Boyle because he wanted to know if she was like her father. And the way he cups her face. Ugh. Like, you almost can't feel the ick through the terror. But it's it's still icky. And then my last two notes were no. No, 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 no! And then cut to black and you paused... Before it could start episode 13, and I freaked out. My last note is, Maz's cheekbones are so sharp it's distracting. I wasn't distracted. Well, I had already watched this episode earlier today. True. And he's lit kind of from, like, the side of the back, and it just cuts right across his cheekbone. It's just, like, the most sharpest cheekbone. And then he says, I'm sorry I could not protect you in this life. Which, if you think about it, 
is something that creepy, overprotective, killy dad would would have said. Yeah, and that is the end. So we are going to take a break recording, and we're going to watch episode 13. Oh, gosh. Buckle up. Oh! And we are back. Yeah. We have just watched episode 13. The season finale of season one of Hannibal. How are you feeling? Honestly, I looked up Hannibal season one on Tumblr just because I can now. And there was an incorrect quote. And it's framed as Will saying it, but it honestly captures me right now. If you're sad and you know it, clap your hands. If you're sad and you know it, clap your hands. If you're stressy and depressy and your life is kind of messy. If you're sad and you know it, clap your hands. Very nice. Alright, so episode 13 is called Savaro, which means tasty. It was written by Steve Lightfoot, Brian Fuller, and Scott Nimmerfro. It was directed by David Slade. It aired June 20th, 2013, and was viewed by 1.98 million people, which is 0.1 million people fewer than episode 12. And this summary is even longer than my previous summary was, because wouldn't you know it, a season finale has a lot of stuff happening. Essentially. So, Will is hunting in the woods. He's stalking something. It's the raven stag, and it keeps running away from him. He shoots at it and goes to see it, but when he arrives, it's not the raven stag. It's a black human figure with antlers. Will wakes up at home, and the dogs are barking. His feet and legs are caked in mud. He goes to the sink and takes some aspirin. He immediately throws it back up into the sink, and up comes a severed ear. Later, Will is sitting in his pajamas on his porch, waiting for Hannibal. Will tells him that he took Abigail to Minnesota but returned alone. He doesn't remember last night. Hannibal asks when was the last time he saw Abigail in Minnesota at the cabin. Will tells Hannibal that he hallucinated killing her. Hannibal says they have to kill... They have to... Oh my gosh. Hannibal says they have to tell Jack. Creditos. Jack and the FBI come to Wolf Trap. Hannibal and Will greet him at the door and Jack asks what they're going to find in Minnesota. Will doesn't know. Jack sends Will for processing. Winston the dog cries as Will is loaded into the back of a car. While Will is being processed at the FBI by the crime friends. Under his nails, Beverly finds dried blood. She asks him if he knows how it got there. He says no. She says he shouldn't have been here if he wasn't certain about himself. He says he thought he would get better. She tells him to interpret the evidence. He says, according to the evidence, I killed Abigail Hobbs. Jack tells Alana that they analyzed the tissue and the blood. It was Abigail's blood and Abigail's ear. Alana tells Jack to shut up and blames him because he said Will wouldn't get too close. She says Hannibal had to have seen something. Jack says Hannibal didn't know until it was too late. Alana says they have to find out what's wrong and treat it. Alana says that Abigail's blood is on all of them and so is Will's. In the interrogation room, Alana confronts Will. He says she dodged a bullet with him. She says she feels wounded. She tells him that she is going to take his dogs and take care of them until whenever. Will tells her that Hannibal had him draw a clock to ground himself in the present moment. She asks if the clock was normal and he says, would I be here if it wasn't? She has him draw a clock. It's still broken. 
Hannibal is in therapy with Bedelia. He's crying because Abigail is dead and because he failed Will. He talks about seeing Abigail as a daughter. The crime trio analyze the fishing flies that Will made. They find bits of bone fragments and pieces of lung from Cassie Boyle, antler velvet and a fingernail and hair from Marissa Shore, crushed teeth, soft tissue and cartilage from Dr. Sutcliffe, and hair and fiber from Georgia Madchen, all the victims of the copycat. He took trophies. Alana insists that Will is not a serial killer. In the interrogation room, Will sees the reflection of the antlered man guy in the mirror window. Jack comes to tell him he's sick. Will says he didn't finish his antibiotics and the fever came back. Jack says they will get him the medical treatment he needs. Will asks if they're going to put him in the Baltimore State Hospital for the criminally insane. He says he can't confess to something he doesn't remember. Will is still really bad at making jokes. Jack tells him about the human remains they found in the fishing lures. Will says he wasn't sick when Cassie and Marissa were murdered, and Jack says that's not a good argument. Will says someone is doing this to him, someone close to the FBI. Jack officially arrests Will. Will is loaded into the back of an armored van. He breaks his thumb, slips out of his cuffs, and attacks the orderly just like Gideon. They find the ambulance abandoned in an alley. Alana shows Jack and Hannibal the crooked clock that Will drew. Hannibal shows them a normal clock and says that's what Will drew for him two weeks ago. And then Alana makes the call. It could be encephalitis. Jack brings up the phone call to the Hobbs house. Hannibal says Will was alone in the office for a minute. He says there was almost no way Will would have known that Gary Jacob Hobbs was the killer. And obviously you can fake the clock test. Hannibal, alone in his office, smells something. It's Will, hiding upstairs among the bookshelves. Will says he's feeling self-aware. Hannibal says the evidence about Abigail is indisputable. Will says he would have believed it if it were just Abigail, but it wasn't. Back in the therapy chairs, Hanagram analyzed the murders to find the common threads. Cassie Boyle on the stag head, but Will wasn't in Minnesota that day. Marissa Shore, how could I resist? Dr. Sutcliffe murdered how Will imagined murdering Beth, and how Georgia did it, and then also Georgia. Creepy antler man watches. He has Hannibal's face. Hannibal says Will allowed these killers into his head. Will asks Hannibal to take him back to Minnesota to see where Abigail died. They drive and Will falls asleep in the passenger seat because he is a soft boy. Jack and Alana go to question Bedelia. She says Hannibal skipped therapy that morning and didn't call. Jack says they're going to Minnesota because they think Will took Hannibal there. Alana worries that Will could kill Hannibal. Bedelia says Hannibal is the only one who could have helped Will and that he may still be trying. Will dreams that he is Garrett Jacob Hobbs and gets the phone call. Hannibal wakes him up in the car and they go inside. Will remembers Abigail telling Hannibal to be the man on the phone and he asks, are we going to reenact the crime? There is blood all over the floor. Hannibal says it's as if Abigail was supposed to die in this kitchen after all. Will points out the arterial spray. Hannibal says they haven't found the body and says they may never find her if Will honored every part of her. Will says he's not sure if he knows who Hannibal is anymore, but he is certain that one of them killed Abigail. Hannibal says whoever it was killed the others. Will points his gun at Hannibal, who asks if he's a killer. Will says he is who he has always been, and says, I can see you now. Hannibal asks what he sees. Will says Abigail knew Hannibal was the man on the phone, and that he kept Abigail's secrets. Hannibal asks if it would feel good to kill him now. Will asks if he is a murderer. Jack, Jack arrives and tells Will not to shoot Hannibal because he missed the entire conversation. Will doesn't back down, so Jack shoots him just once. He lands in the corner where Garrett Jacob Hobbs died. He says, see, and Hannibal turns into the antler man. Finally, Will gets a brain scan and treatment for the encephalitis. He is expected to recover. 
Hannibal says he still would have gone to Minnesota with Will, even not at gunpoint, and that he failed Will. Later, Hannibal is a dweeb and brings dinner to Bedelia. French things I don't want to try to pronounce right now. <laughs> Later, he says he is going to say goodbye to Will tomorrow because Will is not the man he thought he was. Bedelia says he develops relationships with violent patients and tells him to be careful. At, you guessed it, the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, we see Hannibal entering and walking down a long hallway to stand in front of Will's cell. Hello, Will. Hello, Dr. Lecter. Hannibal smiles. The end. And that is why I wanted to record these separately. Uh, Use your words. I hate where this has left off so much. I'm so mad. I'm so sad for Will. I just... Uh, I have to believe it gets better in season two, but for now, I am I am smad. People are used to seeing Hannibal in prison. And then the agent comes and says, Hello, Dr. Lecter. And Dr. Lecter says, Hello, Clarice. And <sighs> that's what people are used to. I get that it's inverting the and trope. This, this is the exact opposite of that. I am sad for Will Graham. It makes me sad. Also, this episode starts... It just starts off, like, on all cylinders... And does not slow down. Yeah. And I kept thinking of this scene in The Road to El Dorado where Zekel Khan finds them playing ball in the street. And he says, this is not how the gods should play ball. This is how the gods should play ball. And it like echoes in the arena. And like, that's how I feel about this finale. Like, this is a season finale. That's, that's accurate. So Will throws up an ear. I don't know how Hannibal got that inside him. I don't know how Hannibal got that ear deep enough, either down Will's esophagus or in his stomach cavity, to have him throw it up. I do, but I'm not going to tell you. So we find out later? We do find out. <sighs> Gross. Um, Hannibal comes over, because of course he's the first person Will calls. Because up until like the last 12 minutes of this episode, Will still trusts him. And he comes in and he puts a blanket on Will, who is clearly in shock, because Hannibal is still medical doctor <laughs> yeah but also still touching and comfort as manipulation because that's his mo just anger so much of this episode was anger for me like great job mass mickelson acting this but yeah and i have i have more to say about his acting um later the nice thing about having a small window for my google doc is that i can only see a few lines at a time so i don't get distracted so jack and the whole crew come to will's house which is now an active crime scene. Yeah. And as Will is being escorted to the car, he sees Beverly, who just looks so betrayed because she was one of the only people who wasn't scared of Will and didn't treat him like a fragile teacup. Yeah. And now his house is an active crime scene because he threw up an ear. I just, she looks so sad. Like not even, the betrays there too, but she just she almost looks like she can't believe it. Like, she's a very rational person, but there's there's a look on her face like she can hardly believe that this is happening. Which, same. One thing I do love, when she's scraping the tissue samples out from under his fingernails, everyone else is going for cold clinical detachment as they go through his stuff. But, true to her nature, Beverly doesn't treat him like a thing. Like a piece of evidence. She's the only one to acknowledge, hey, this is our friend. This is our very mentally fragile friend. Let's talk about this. Yeah. But then she also says, I can't pretend we 
don't both know what I'm finding under your nails. Yeah. And, like, that's very true to her, too. She's not the type to deny the evidence of her own eyes, but she's also very much, like, she's not so cold and clinical that she can't recognize that Will Graham is a human person. Yeah. And I love that about her. I respect you, Beverly. I respect you so much. And then we see Hannibal crying in Bedelia's office slash living room. Wait, don't we don't we see Alana and Jack talking first? Um, sure. We might. I just don't have anything on that. Okay. Just because I love her screaming in the car. Oh, yeah. But I also don't really have anything to say about it other than it's really like a very realistic thing to do. Mm-hmm. I love the line, I don't feel like a do- I dodged a bullet, I feel wounded. And she's taking care of his dogs. I know. I love, because she knows what that will mean to him. Because she does still care about him, and she knows that he wouldn't want his dogs just with animal services and then possibly being put up for adoption again. Like, that's his family. Yeah. So, she's gonna take care of them. I just, I love them so much. Uh, I love them I want them to be together. And I like, I really thought, I really thought that we were finally, I mean, I know it's a little early in a three season series, but I really thought that Hannibal's little stupid mind game was going to get exposed because you see what's going on. You can see the recognition. She knows why Hannibal was doing it for real. As soon as Will tells her that Hannibal had him draw a clock and why. She knows exactly what's going on, because, you know, also a psychiatrist. I think she knows less than you think she does. She knows why he was doing it, though. And she knows that, like, oh, if he had you draw a clock... He was checking for encephalitis. Yeah. And then they look at the clock, and Hannibal shows them a fake one. Yeah, which, oh, I was so mad. Which basically negates anything that she might have been thinking before. I thought, I really thought they were finally gonna... Because, unfortunately, she does still trust him. Yeah. My only note on the scene with um, Hannibal crying to Bedelia is, Oh, boo frickety who you did this to you. I know, and I, and I have a couple of thoughts about that. Hannibal talks about how he feels like he lost a daughter because he never really considered having a child, but when he met Abigail, he understood the appeal of being able to shape a life. And that's why he wanted to see how much like her dad she was. Because if she is also a killer, then they can be a little murder family together. I think it's a combination of that and then also Hannibal liking to wind things up and watch them go. Yeah. Like toys. Yeah. And then he says about Will trying to save him, I lost Abigail. It's hard to accept that I could fail them both so profoundly. So, knowing what we know, three things. One, he killed Abigail, not Will. Yeah. Two, Will does have a literal physical illness, not just a mental illness, which, although both legitimate forms of illnesses, physical illnesses have generally pretty straightforward treatment. Yeah. And three, I forgot what three was. Let me read the quote again. Trying to save him, I lost Abigail. It's hard to accept that I could fail them both so profoundly. He killed Abigail. He's lying about Will, who actually does have a physical, treatable problem. I don't remember the third point. But, so knowing those things, 
How... Oh, and that he doesn't really lie to Bedelia? How has he failed them? What does he think he did? He just wanted to control them. He just wanted to control them like little puppets. I don't think that would make him cry. I think the tears are real. Because he also cried when he thought Will was dead after the whole Tobias fiasco. I think he feels bad, but I can't figure out what he feels bad for, considering that he did all these things on purpose. I don't think he ever meant for Abigail to figure out what he was. I also, I don't think he ever planned to kill her. There's nothing that says that people who kill because they couldn't keep control of a person in their life don't feel sad about it. Yeah, that's true. He can't have his perfect little murder family of three. Nope. Because in the end, he's a selfish person. Also, like Jack, watching Hannibal cry makes me cry. In other circumstances, it might, but he did this to himself at the expense of people who I care about more. Yeah. In this show, so like, eh. You're like, I can't feel that bad for you, dude. This is your fault. Boo frickety who, you did this to you. So after that, is that when Jack goes to talk to Will in the interrogation room? Is that what's next? Um, I tend to leave out whole scenes in my notes, which is why I'm, I'm asking you. I'm not sure if it happened before this or if this is just me reacting at this point, but my next note is, in all caps, you planted it in his lures, you horrid, wretched little man. I knew that scene where you messed with his fly tying station bothered me, and now I know why I hope Jack Crawford kicks your teeth in. That would be an example of whole scenes that I skipped. Um, yeah, the fishing lures. That was like episode two. Yeah. That Hannibal went into Will's house and messed with his fly tying kit. There was stuff that bothered me about it more beyond the just, you know, it's weird to poke a fishing hook into your thumb and lick the blood off. That's not a thing a normal person would do. I still don't think that's that weird, but maybe I'm not a very normal person. I mean... I mean, I don't poke myself with fishing hooks, but I do pick at scabs and then because what else are you going to do with it see i feel like a scab would hurt less yeah but also like i had a friend who stepped in a fishing hook that was in a lake that we were all ah. swimming at and uh she had a very high pain tolerance but she she gave quite a start when she stepped on this fish hook okay but here's my thing about he does not poke the fish hook that far into his thumb to catch the barb. Yeah. So. I just, I always associated fish hooks with it painful, even at that, like, shallow pokey Yeah, thing. I just feel like that level is more like a finger prick you go when, like, you go to the doctor or, like, a thumbtack. Okay, so after they find all the people in the fishing lures. Yeah. Which not only means that Hannibal has been doing this from the beginning, but that he has repeatedly gone back to Will's house and added more people to more fishing lures as more and more murders have been happening. I'm not only mad, I'm also disappointed. You're such a mom. Okay, so then Jack goes to talk to Will. Yes. He says that he's afraid mostly that they'll learn that Will knew what he was doing the whole time. 
because obviously that is way worse than Will going crazy and doing these things and not knowing it. Doing them on purpose is worse. Yeah. And Will says, don't be afraid of that, but there is something you should be afraid of, and that's whoever is doing this to me. Because guess who was sane literally the whole time? Will. He was never not sane. He was losing time because he has encephalitis. Mm-hmm. But he was still sane. And we're all sitting here thinking he's insane, and he's not. Like, the worst, like, I, would, I don't... Like, the worst thing he deals with, worst in heavy air quotes here, is the intrusive thoughts. As far as, like, you know, things that are suggestive of the fact that you're, like, not in your right mind. But the thing is... Everyone gets intrusive thoughts. Well, he gets intrusive hallucinations. He wasn't just thinking about impaling Abigail on the antlers. He literally thought that he did it. Yeah. Until he turned around and saw her standing there still. Vivid intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Also, Will sitting down and Jack standing up. Jack looks like a huge man. I mean, he is a big dude, you know. But he just... He looks like he's three times taller than Will sitting there. Yeah. In this scene. And it's intimidating just to watch it. Yeah. And the thing that I put here was, come on, Jack, listen to Will, listen to Alana, you know something is wrong. And, like, I think that's honestly part of why Jack's been wanting to pin some part of this case on Abigail for so long, is because I think he's doing thin slicing, too. Not necessarily in the same way Will is, where it's manifesting as a raven stag, but where he just, he has this feeling like something about this case is not over, is not open and shut, is still very much alive and ready to come back and haunt us. And I think especially where he's had as much experience as he has as being a U director, he, I think he's definitely having some kind of thin slicing here. But I think he's also, you know, trying to snuff out any hope that he has. Because he, you know, you can't just hope that this person you care about isn't a killer when all of the evidence is pointing there. Granted, it's pointing there because Hannibal put it there to point it there. But Jack doesn't know that. All he knows is there's evidence that he can't ignore pointing to Will in spite of everything probably telling him something is not right. Yeah, I think between him and Alana, who just flat out refuses to believe this, like, if they figure it out, that's gonna be how. Because the two of them... Jack knows something's going on, even if he doesn't know that he knows that. And Alana just straight up is like, no, something is going wrong. This isn't normal. Yeah, Alana's Miss Clavel senses are basically ringing bells and running through the streets saying the British are coming, or in this case, the Danish are coming. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Hannibal's from Latvia, but yeah. Um, well, Mass is Mass from... Is, from is, is Danish, but... Yeah, I don't know why they just didn't go ahead and make Hannibal Danish, but I think they made him Latvian? I don't remember. He's some sort of Eastern European. Yeah. In the books, I think. I feel like the third season is a closer adaptation of the books than any of the rest of these two, which is probably... Which is when they start to bring that stuff in more. Yeah. Anyway, um, so... Jack arrests Will... And they march him off to the van. And then Will uses his little trick that he learned from Abel Gideon to break his own thumb so he can slip out of the handcuffs. Which is not fun to watch. No. 
Fun fact. Fun fact, I could go the rest of my life without seeing anyone break their own hand ever again. That was unsettling. So Will bails out of the van and goes to see Hannibal. Before he gets there, Alana and Jack go to see Hannibal. Well, they go to see Bedelia. Oh yeah, and then Hannibal. Like I said, I skip whole scenes in my notes because I am also trying to summarize the entire episode at the same time. Yeah. Maybe they go to see Bedelia earlier and we just forgot to talk about it. Or they go to see her later. No, they go... Oh, yeah. No, No, it's later. later. It is later. It's after they leave for Minnesota. So, okay. So, Jack and Alana are talking to Hannibal. And they're talking about what's wrong with Will. He drew this crooked clock. And then Hannibal goes like, well, he drew this normal clock for me two weeks ago. Which he drew a clock and then signed it and dated it. Backdated it two weeks ago. I was so mad. We know that Will was not drawing normal clocks two weeks ago. Yeah, we know. But obviously Hannibal kept some normal looking clocks on hand for this precise purpose. He's good at faking Will's handwriting too. Which doesn't surprise me. He is an incredible artist. Yeah. Like they've established that so it makes sense. And Alana knows what the clock test is for. It might be autoimmune encephalitis. Somebody finally figured it out. And Hannibal just goes like, hmm, that's interesting. Ugh. Can't wait for Jack Crawford to freaking kick his teeth in. And then Jack brings up that first phone call to the Hobbs house. And Hannibal is like, yeah, there was this moment where Will was alone in the office. Which is just the exact opposite of what actually happened. Yeah. Where Hannibal was alone in the office for like 30 seconds. Made the phone call, no problem. And obviously you can fake the clock test. Because if you know what the clock test is for, like if a psychiatrist ever asked me to draw a clock... I would know what it's for and I would know how to fake it. Like, unless they watched me draw it and could tell I was faking it. Mm -hmm. If you draw a crooked clock because you have no spatial recognition or whatever, that test only works if you don't know what it's for. So yeah, you can fake it. He didn't, no. He might now. Or at the very least, he's really confused because now Alana is having him draw clocks. Meanwhile, no one is telling him that his clocks are all wrong. He's like, do you think I would be in here if my clock was broken like i'm like it was broken though your clock that's that's why you're here dude your clock is broken because nobody knows and then will is hiding upstairs in the loft and hannibal is reading a book and then he pauses and you can see him sniff i missed the sniff i'm always watching for it because he comments throughout the series on will's bad aftershave so i just like anytime he's reading you know in friends when joey tribbiani is talking about smell the fart acting when if you have a really big word to say but you can't remember it you just take a pause and you kind of make a face like you smell something weird it's a little bit like that Hannibal always like pauses and then like picks up his head a little bit yeah the scene where they're in the chairs and Will starts to connect the threads what all these have in common and all the murder victims of the copycat of Hannibal are completely black exactly like he's been seeing Hannibal Ravenstag man. Yeah. I actually commented bit by bit putting it together. Please, we'll put it together. Because I listen to the Sunday in the Park with George soundtrack. Nice. Way too often. Um, I also noticed that all the different spots throughout the office where vi- Will visualizes the bodies uh-huh. are kind of in relation to how they were murdered. Like, he sees Cassie Boyle over there where we know that little stag statue lives. 
Oh. And then he sees Marissa Shore mounted on the wall like she was. And then he sees Dr. Sutcliffe sitting at the desk because that's where he was. Yeah. And then, yeah, everyone is painted black like the antler man who is watching from the corner with Hannibal's face on it. Mm-hmm. Wow, I skipped so many scenes between here and there. I'm going to go back to my summary so I can figure out what's happening. And the bit where, like, he's having the dream where he's in Garrett Jacob Hobbs's place and answering the phone and it's Hannibal's voice that he hears next because it's Hannibal waking him up clever right because that's how dreams go like something is happening in your life like you hear your alarm clock music but in your dream you're like listening to it on the radio yeah or whatever but it also is still will's brain being like it was hannibal i once listened to the rockettes dance to the low book sales jingle for that very reason (laughs) which is every bit as bonkers as it sounds and now is where jack and alana go to talk to bedelia Yes. Um, And they don't talk about much. All she tells them is that Hannibal was supposed to be in therapy this morning and didn't show up. He would consider missing that rude. Right. Not just missing, but not calling ahead of time to let her know he wouldn't be there. Yeah. And she says, yeah, he would consider that rude because he doesn't do rude things. I mean, yeah, he's a murderer, but he's also extremely polite. Yeah. The rest of the time. It's part of his person suit. Because he really is, like, this refined man, but he also uses it as his shield. Because when you're that poised all the time, people would just assume that you're always that way. Why would they ever look twice at you? Plus, everyone, I think, has, like, their own personal code. Serial killers have victimology, which limits which people they'll kill and which people they won't. Even if it's based on, you know, the arbitrary workings of a diseased mind, it's still... A code, and part of Hannibal's code, is not being rude or inconsiderate to other people. Granted, it operates on his own twisted sense of what's good and right for other people. But it has internal consistency. Yeah. Which is probably one of the things that I love about him, because I love characters who do that. Dwight from The Office is actually another great example of that. He makes no sense to the outside world, but he is very internally consistent. He has his own rules. And that is what I love about him. He has his own rules and he'll never deviate from them. So they go to the Hobbs house and every time they move further into the house, Will remembers being there with Abigail. Like when she asks, maybe we can reenact the The crime. crime. You be my dad, you be my mom, and you be the man on the phone. And he remembers that she looked at Hannibal. So he logs that away in his file. And she held Hannibal's gaze for longer than she held his or Alana's. Yep, and then... Will goes, are we going to reenact the crime? Because he's trying to be funny. And then Hannibal's like, if you think that would help. (laughs) No, you giant nerd. He's trying to be funny. He's bad at being funny. His jokes never land. See, I thought it was more of him saying, I figured it was his way of tipping Hannibal off that like, are we going to reenact the crime? Like, are you going to kill me? Am I going to kill you? I know exactly what's going on now. I think it's a little bit of that too. But I also feel like Will is definitely bad at making jokes. I thought it was funny. (laughs) I think it's funny how bad he is at being funny. And then they go in the kitchen and there is arterial spray all over the floor. Like a lot. Yep. Which is what happens when somebody slits your throat. And he talks about seeing a bunch of flies where Greg Jacob Hobbs was. I don't remember that part before. I think this might be the first time he's mentioned it. Yeah, and we didn't see that before, or in any of the memories. 
I wonder if that's more like how it felt. And also, we talk, we've talked a lot earlier on about Will seeing Hannibal, seeing who the Ripper is. Well, now he knows. And he repeats the exact line, that almost word for word, that Hannibal said to Abby before he killed her. He said, you did it because you were curious what I would do. You wanted to wind me up and watch me go. Although I don't think Will knows Hannibal is the Ripper. I think he just knows he's the copycat. Oh yeah, for sure. I think he forgot, or at least it's not very important right now, that he had previously connected the copycat with the Ripper. Chesapeake Ripper? Who's she? (laughs) This man tried to ruin my life. And Hannibal says, you are alone because you are unique. At first, it kind of sounds like an insult, but then it also sounds like a compliment. And Will says, I am as alone as you are, which I just found interesting. I don't know. I like seeing the similarities between these two guys. Yeah. And then most of the rest of what I have is breaking down Hannibal's micro expressions in the Hobbs kitchen scenes. So I can either do that now or we can talk about the scene as a whole first. Um, I don't have any other notes on that scene, so you go ahead. Okie dokie. So they're in the kitchen. And Will brings his gun up to Hannibal. And Will is talking about how he's putting together all these pieces. And Hannibal is looking at him with, like, this really fascinated expression. Like, all he ever wanted was to wind Will up and watch how he goes. And Will says, this is how I go. And Hannibal really is watching. He is so interested to see how this is finally all coming to a head that he's almost not upset that he might get caught. And he might now go to jail. Yeah. Because if Jack had walked in five seconds earlier, he would have heard all of this. But he missed it. Yeah. So, and then Hannibal, you see in his face that, like, he respects Will for having figured this all out. Mm -hmm. Nobody else did. But Will did with encephalitis. Which, you know, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's so much inner life in Mass Mickelson's face. Mm-hmm. Like, he barely moves a muscle. It's like a little shift of his head or, like, a, a squint of his eyes. Or and he does just... that thing when he's mad where he almost bares his teeth, but not quite. Yeah. And sometimes he does that really, really small. So you almost don't see it, but it kind of looks like he's sucking on his teeth a little bit. I'm you so know? glad you put the thing into words. And then Jack comes in and B's like, Will, settle down. And Hannibal smirks, still looking at Will. And it's just a little bit like, it's like a little tilt of his head. Mm-hmm. And it's not really in his mouth, but it's in like his eyes and the tilt of his head. He's like, oh yeah, Will, you, you thought you were going to win for a second there, didn't you? And then Will looks back at him and he knows that he know like they all... They all know that we know they know we know that whole thing. And then Will gets shot. And then Hannibal's mask cracks just a little bit. And Hannibal genuinely looks shocked and a little bit afraid. He's like, oh, you just shot my best friend. I didn't pick it up. Please don't kill him. Did not pick it up at the time. Because I was just in the emotions of the scene. But you're right. Well, and the, and the, the eye is focused on Jack. Who just shot Will and is now standing over him on the floor. Hannibal's kind of in the background and he's not in focus. But he's just staring at Will 
And his eyes are really wide and not in like the threatening way, but in like the, oh shoot, you just got shot. Are you going to be okay? Like, please don't die, friend. And I think when he was talking to Will, he didn't really have his mask on. And then Jack walks in and he hasn't had time to put his mask back on yet. Yeah. So now you actually see that he is worried. And then he puts it back almost immediately and just looks like a normal worried man, not like Hannibal worried man. And then Will is looking up from the floor and he sees Hannibal as the Wendigo, mm-hmm. which we mentioned in like episode one or two of the podcast. And now we have come to it. And the Wendigo. Here it comes. There it there is. There it is. Is an Algonquian folklore monster, which is a person who has been transformed into a monster by eating human flesh. Yeah. It is the personification of how you go insane when you eat human flesh. And that is what Will is seeing now when he looks at Hannibal or in his nightmares. And then, where, where do we go after this? Minnesota. Um, Will's hospital bed, I believe. Yes. Because he oh. finally got treatment, but at what cost? Before we do that, Will gets shot. He lands in the same exact corner mm-hmm. where Gary Jacob Hobbs landed. And then he looks up at Hannibal and he goes, See? See? Do you not see that this man is the Wendigo? No, Jack doesn't see it. Jack. But like, Hannibal, like, Will has come full circle in becoming Garrett Jacob Hobbs, being shot in the same kitchen, in the same place in the same kitchen, by an FBI agent. But he didn't do the bad things. No, but nobody knows that, except Hannibal. And us, the audience. Well, yeah. Honestly, the energy in Will's hospital room... After he's finally getting treatment for the encephalitis, radiates, I am alive, but at what cost? Yeah. And he's on antivirals, and he's going to be okay. But people think he did the murders. Yeah. And he didn't do the murders. Hannibal mentions again that he feels like he failed Will. Oh, my brain has formed an idea. Oh? (laughs) What kind of robotic sentence just came out of my mouth? An interesting one, if it makes you feel any better. My brain has formed an idea. Um. Oh my gosh, now you're making it sound like you shatnered your way through that sentence. My brain. I can really shatner if you want to. You can shatner if you want to. Okay. I asked earlier, how has Hannibal failed Will? And I never really came to any kind of answer. But here he says it again. Here's what I think. He failed to turn Will into his murder friend. Because you said he failed to control Will. But I think he would love to get to a place where he doesn't have to actively control him anymore, where they can be more like equals, you know? And that's what he failed to do. Okay. Epiphany over. Then Hannibal goes to Bedelia's house and he brings her dinner. It's veal. That seems symbolic. Yeah. It's veal in heavy air quotes. Uh Uh-huh. And he says Will is not the man he thought he was, which I think... Is the same thing. He wanted Will to be his murder friend and he did not create that friend, right? Like the whole time it's about how Hannibal wants to have a friend Mm -hmm. and he wanted it to be Will. And guess what? You broke your favorite toy, you dumbass. Yeah. You broke it. You played with it too hard and now it's broken. And now you're sad. Boo for kitty who. You You did did this this to you. you. And Bedelia points out that he has a pattern of developing relationships with violent patients. I feel like... You exclaimed when she said that. And I want to know what you thought. I think she knows. You think so? 
I think, I don't know if she knows about the cannibalism. I'm not ruling that out, but I think she knows about the other shit he does in the dark. Like that Fallout Boy song. I did that on purpose. I am a massive Fallout Boy nerd. That is one of my Hannibal songs. I should make a Hannibal playlist of all my songs. Do it. It's like four songs, but still. Hey, maybe I, I could finally do Spotify. Oh, I don't have to. Spotify either. Oh, okay. I'm still not sure if she knows, like, what she knows at any given point. You've seen this show, though. I know, but I know, like, I know where she ends up, but I don't know this far in the beginning how much she knows about him. Like, we know that she knows more than anyone else knows about him. Yeah. I don't think she knows he's the Chesapeake Ripper. I think that she's just not unaware of the fact that he is violent. You know what I mean? Yeah, which lends further credence to the he shoved that man's tongue down his throat. I phrased that (laughs) very wrong. And or he was that man who attacked her. Which is a theory I hadn't thought of until today and I like it, so I'm sticking with it. And then... We come to it, the Baltimore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Where Will should not be, but he is. My last note was, no, 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 Will should not be in there. You should be in there. Mm-hmm. And of course, it is the flip-flop of every viewer's expectation. I get that it's the subverty of the tropes, but Will still doesn't belong in there. I love how tense that moment is. Like, you could cut it with a knife. Oh, yeah. He walks in. He smiles at Will. And the song that's playing is Vide Cormeum, which was composed by Hans Zimmer for the 2001 film version of Hannibal. And I just, I love that scene. Like, I made myself a gif of that scene of when he walks in and says, hello, Will. And then Will stands up and says, hello, Dr. Lecter. And then Hannibal smiles. I made a gif of it. I have it on my computer so that I can continue to stare at it forever and ever. I need to make a note of all the gifts that I said I would use. So what were they? Dean Winchester cupping the back of his head because Sammy's been taken. Because that was me after episode 12. Was that it? Dean Winchester and Hello Will? Well, I'll find out when I edit. It wasn't Large Marge, because we talked about that beforehand. (laughs) No, it wasn't Large Marge. I'll find it when I edit and I'll write it down. (laughs) Yep, that's all I have for episode 13. Do you have anything else? Just Fashion Week stuff, and I have a lot. Okay, let's take a quick break, and then we will do that. Okay, we are back. All right, so Fashion Week. There's a lot. There's a lot this Fashion Week. There's a lot this everything. So, in the scene with Abigail and Freddie... The first one, where they're talking about the book. Abigail is not wearing any blue. Is she wearing that kind of weird, chunky sweater? She has so many sweaters. This is the one with, like, the gray and white ends and the red and white, just general. Yeah, I thought it looked very childlike. It did, but there's still red in it. And weirdly, Freddy is all in blue, which is a turn. But we'll get to that later. And in the scene we see with Bedelia talking to Jack, she is in red and black. Kind of like we see Alana do when she goes on the defensive. And of course, 
now we know that Bedelia is hiding stuff in that interview. Yeah, when she is being super defensive. Is that what I jumped down here and wrote Bedelia's red shirt? Yes. Okay, I want to also talk about that shirt because it's tailored to make her look less tiny than she is. It's, oh. It's like kind of billowy and it has kind of poofy shoulders and it makes her appear like broader and like larger framed than she actually is because Jillian Anderson is tiny. She's like 5'3 and this big around. Are we taller than Jillian Anderson? Oh yeah. She looks tall. She is not tall. She is so little. Her clothes are tailored to make her look bigger than she is, but I especially noticed it with the red shirt. That's why I wrote that. Oh gracious. Anyway. And then again, but then when we go back to the scene where Abigail is talking to Will and they have that beautiful moment where Will grabs her hands, there's some blue back in her sweater because she's being more honest and open. And also, I want that sweater. I have a sweater addiction, you guys. <laughs> I use the word confront, but where she tells Hannibal, you've got to step, take a step back with what you're doing with Will Graham. When Bedelia yeah. does that? When mm-hmm. Bedelia does that, she's... She's in neutrals again, completely. She's not, like, attacking him about it. She's just being very, like, I'm saying this as your friend. I am saying this as a person at an even keel. What you're doing is a bad idea. And then I figured out... Okay, so you you pointed out Freddie's necklace in her next scene where she's talking to Jack about Will and Abigail and how she can tell that Abigail definitely killed someone. With the green shirt? Yes, the green dress and the chain mail necklace. Yep. So, I had a theory, and I did some research. And, stay with me, Freddy Lowndes is the green knight. As in, like, Sir Gawain and the green knight? Yes. Okay, talk me through that. Okay. So, the green knight comes almost in answer to Arthur wanting to hear a really cool story. Freddy Lowndes tells stories for a living. And in that moment, she is being as truthful and helpful to Jack, as we have seen her be the whole series. So is Jack King Arthur? You could make that argument. You could also make an argument that, you know, you could definitely make that argument, and you could make the argument that Will is Gawain. I don't know enough about Arthurian legends to follow you through this, so you will have to spell it out for me. I am not an expert. I should say this right now. There are people I know. There are people I have lived with. There are peop- There is a person asleep in the next room who knows more about this than me. I have a basic cursory knowledge of Arthurian legend. And basically, the point of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight is the Green Knight forces Sir Gawain and indeed... Camelot to be honest. The Green Knight does play tricks on people, but in the end, he's about honesty and justice and fairness. And in the end, Freddy is about getting the truth out, even though she kind of makes you want to bang your head into things. Well, and she's, she's wily about it, but that is her goal. Yeah. I like it. And the Green Knight kind of represents the wild primeval elements and one of the first, the first time we see Freddy, she's naked. One of the second times we see Freddy, she's in the forest with the malicious mycologist episode. And she's very much a wild card, but she has her own code of ethics, again, that she would never break. And honestly, if you think about it, it makes sense because for, especially for, you know, Jack Crawford as King Arthur, 
and uh, Will Graham is Sir Gawain. And I'm not just saying that because Gawain is my favorite because of the, um, I've forgotten her name, but she's the one lady who has her own tale in the Canterbury Tales. And she tells the story of Sir Gawain and how he got married. But no, Freddy is definitely the Green Knight in this scene, if not throughout the whole series. And then my final note for episode 12 is Abigail's jacket is scarlet for the scene on the plane and indeed the rest of what we now know is her life. But I think that was obviously just a design choice for the plane. And then it works for the rest of it because it's almost like a mark because she dies mm-hmm. after the end of that episode. Hannibal's um, suit is brown, but his shirt and tie are kind of a scarlet crimson combo when he goes to see Will. Like, kind of a literal blood on his hands kind of a deal. Beverly's mostly in blue when we see her in civilian clothes. Alana's wrap dress is mostly red. There's hardly any black this time, which is interesting because a lot of episode 13, she's just so emotionally raw. But when we see her in her scene where she's yelling and screaming and crying in her car, she's wearing a blue coat. Again, with Alana having the sort of pure, divine Virgin Mary iconography going on. He's Hannibal's in red again when he's crying to Bedelia. She's in black, neutral, impartial. And I found connections because I noticed that every time Alana's been wearing that little gold chain, it's a starfish. And starfish represent not only feeling because they have a lot of nerves in there, but they also represent healing. And Alana is pretty much the healing influence for Will right now and in general. Yeah, that's perfect for her. And then Bedelia's in Scarlet again when Hannibal brings over Abigail under the, that glass cloche. I love that he brings that because that's why I called him a dweeb. Murder dweeb. Those are my fashion week notes. Very nice. Alana is Will's starfish and Freddy is the green knight. Um, I was so busy preparing for this episode that I forgot to come up with something normal and good this week. I've also just been really busy the last few days, which I guess in and of itself is normal and good, but beyond that, I don't really have much to talk about. And it is almost 1.30 in the morning. Oh my gosh. So we should probably wrap up unless you have something super normal and good that you want to talk about. I got to go on a date with my husband. My mom took my daughter for a few days and she made up a cute little song on the piano and I watched it maybe 28 times. (laughs) That is normal and good. Married couples should go on dates and grandmas should help facilitate that by babysitting. (laughs) And my daughter is cute. The end. (laughs) Um, Okay, I guess we are going to wrap up now. Um, Note for our listeners, if you have any thoughts about season one, um, we would love to hear them. Yes. I think it would be really cool if we were able to do a listener sode for season one before jumping into season two. That would be so fun. But we cannot do that unless we get some feedback from our listeners. And so you will actually have two weeks to do that because we are going to take a two-week break from Hannibal and I have some other topics that I want to talk about in the meantime and then after that we will be back so that puts us let me check my calendar so this episode will be out October 9th and then we will be back on October 30th so 
listeners, if you have thoughts about season one, would love to hear them. Either on Twitter or on the website. Both are good. And that... That would be lovely. Please, please give me my chance to do our version of, I guess, BuzzFeed Postmortem, but... I watch a metric ton of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Well, and I know that, like, there's got to be stuff that we're missing, you know, even yeah. in, in two hours a week. There's still so much that we don't talk about. So if you think there's something huge that we've missed, or if there's something that you just want to get off your chest, or if you just want a fangirl because you're a fellow Hanagram shipper, let me know and we'll talk about it. If you want to trash me for shipping Willana, go ahead. I'm okay with that. I knew what I was signing myself up for. And on that note, if you also want to trash me for shipping Hanagram, I know it's not healthy. I just don't care. She can't help it. And she knows that. <laughs> All right. Um, that's it for this week. Hope you have enjoyed season one of Hannibal and this roller coaster of a finale. My emotions. <laughs> My <laughs> emotions. And we will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Normal and Good Podcast is produced by me, Amber Sorensen. The theme music is Red Hills Solstice from the album Round the World by Lobo Loco and is licensed under Creative Commons. You can find this track and more at freemusicarchive.org slash music slash Lobo underscore Loco. For more, visit my website normalandgood.com or find me on Twitter at Amber underscore Jane underscore nine. Thanks for listening.